0: Anyone figured out yet that today's Good Shepherd Sunday? (laughs) Have you ever heard that before? Nope. (laughs) Dale? Come on, Dale. (laughs) You're the one I always count on to know more about this stuff than I do. Today's actually Good Shepherd Sunday. It's a lesser known Christian holiday, but it doesn't mean it's not important. Today we're going to be talking about water fights, good and bad shepherds, and finishing with a word about a real lost sheep whose name was Shrek. Alright, so let's pray. Guide us so, God, by your word, by your spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth, find freedom, in your will, discover peace, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Alright, raise your hand if you've ever felt left out or deliberately excluded from something in your life. Anyone ever experienced that before? Alright, right. Good not good. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It just means that what I have may actually work. (laughs) That's what that was meant for. (laughs) Um, And it makes me feel better that I'm not alone. All right, so now I could start with a really serious example, um, but instead I'm going to keep it light for the moment. So I was recently at this 50-year wedding anniversary celebration. A few of you were there for my good friends, John and Pat Burnett. And I got to hang out with some really good friends that I rarely ever get to see um, anymore since the old uh, youth group days, right? And so we're laughing and telling stories, which is what we usually do when we get together. And this one particular story came up, as it often does when we get together. And it was a story that we were in Mississippi at this place called Mary Holmes Christian College. I think it was one week before I went away to college. Um, And my job for the week was helping to refinish a gym floor. Right, which is perfect for me. As a basketball player, I thought that was pretty cool. It was like 150 degrees in this gym with no air conditioning, so we sweated it out for days in this sweltering heat. We finished the floor, brand new varnished floor, it looked beautiful, uh, and all we had left to do was watch this floor dry. Right. So instead of going and finding another project to jump in on, we decided that we'd have a water fight, all right? So myself and another guy who was older, Got these pitchers of water, and we started dousing this poor kid named Hayes, who was a freshman, right, with water. And so we're running around the gym. There's this huge wrestling, like mezzanine area upstairs, and we're hiding with jugs of water. And when he came around the corner, bam, we'd get him. Um, and it was great. He was doing a dust to too. It wasn't like we were just picking on him. We're having a really good time. Um, so we're having the time of our lives running around and getting water all over this kid. And it probably went on for an hour or more easily. Then, Coach Limerick, and that's actually really his name. I still remember it, okay? We, I could really have fun with this if I wanted to. I'm going to let it go. Um, eventually, this guy makes his way over to the gym. Um, he's got his skin-tight coaching shorts on. Like, this is like in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the whistle and everything. Um, this guy was incredible, but he really doesn't have anything to do with the sermon, other than the fact that he was... To say that this guy was upset would be like the understatement of the year, right? His brand-new gym floor... Um, and there is water all over it, all right? and this thing's still drying. So he of course informs my pastor about our shenanigans, and then my pastor is really unhappy. Um, I've actually never seen him like this before. <laughs> and so he pulls all three of us together, and he says, who's responsible for this? And of course me and the other guy, Steve, are giggling, and we both point, hey, he's a freshman. <laughs> I thought that was the right thing to do at the moment. And so he takes this kid outside, and he says he's going to send him home at his parents' expense, right? And this poor freshman kid is, like, crying and thinking he's going to get sent home. And by this point, I'm like, man, I'm feeling bad. And I talked to the other guy, and we're like, man, we were just kidding around, but we didn't really think it was going to get to this. So we went to the pastor, and we're like, look, we're just messing around, like, with this kid. Really, it was our fault. Um, (laughs) That this did not go over well for me. Um... To, this guy was like my youth pastor, to maybe put it in perspective, was like a best friend and another dad rolled into one all right um, He was my shepherd, my teacher, the one who was always welcoming me in, showing me how to live for jesus he actually this guy had actually sacrificed quite a bit for me um, to help get me through my teenage years. He used to like take me to play basketball once a week, all this kind of stuff right when he could have been home with his family, so he actually invested a lot of time in me, and i 'm just about to go off to college and he was mad at me. Um, threatening, of course, to send me home, but I was going home anyway. <laughs> um, but that's another story. But it's like one of those moments where I actually felt like being I could have been excommunicated from the one community that I really cared about, right? Um, I still, like this to me still doesn't feel good, even talking about it. So I'm guessing, of course, that we can all remember a time when we felt excluded. So we're going to hold this feeling or this memory in mind as we listen to today's gospel lesson, because we're going to look at uh, kind of the second half of what's called the Good Shepherd Discourse in John's gospel. The words that we're going to hear Jesus speak, they absolutely have to be heard in the context of a casting out of community. If we miss that, we're we're not going to understand it. And so Jesus, before the text that we read, has just healed a man born blind. This blind man was an outcast all of his life because of his blindness. This man was healed by Jesus. This man uh, who was reduced to begging for his livelihood, who was from birth excluded from his own community, he now has a chance for the first time in his life, a chance to be welcomed in. And instead, what we see in the text before what we're going to read is he's immediately cast back into isolation, right? And so Jesus' words about the goodness of a shepherd They're spoken into this particular context. This is the context we need to keep in mind when we hear these words. John 10, 11 to 18, it reads like this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves his sheep and runs away. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The Word of the Lord. So if there's good shepherds, it means that there had to be some bad ones. And first, the bad. In our first scripture reading that Susan read from Ezekiel, we see that the Israelites, they knew exactly who the good shepherd was. God was the good shepherd who sought after the scattered sheep. But the warning from the prophet was that God would destroy the bad shepherd. This reference probably to those kings of Israel at the very end that were called fat and strong, right? So I heard those words fat and strong and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I think I might be in trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I looked a little bit closer and they weren't talking about me thinkings. The shepherd kings of Israel were terrible ones. Instead of feeding their flock, they had been selfishly feeding themselves. So growing fat, that's why you see that word, growing fat at the expense of their people. And so these bad shepherds, really simply, they're in it for themselves. They did a great job of taking care of their own needs, but they failed to take care of the needs of their people. So they get fat while others under their care are starving. Jesus kind of likens the bad shepherds of his day, he says, they're like a hired hand. The hired hand is also in it for their own gain. They're in the game only for the money. So as soon as danger arises, they're nowhere to be seen. The wolf comes snooping around, they run away to safety, they leave their flock vulnerable and at risk. And so in looking out for number one, Jesus says this. This is super important. He says they do not care about the sheep. So bad shepherds don't even care about the sheep. And so Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, these leaders who were supposed to care for people. And what do we see from them? We see the same old, same old. They don't care for this blind man. Here's where we've got to remember the context. They don't care for the man born blind whom Jesus had just healed. They actually cast this guy out of community the very moment that he has a chance to be welcomed into it. They exclude, they withhold, they clearly care nothing for this blind man. And effectively, they send him right back into his former life of darkness. Without community, this guy is going to have to go back and beg. He's going to have no choice. He's going to have to do what he's done his whole life. Rely on other people just to have enough to eat. And so contrast that to Jesus, who says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd shows us something radically different. Bad shepherds look out for themselves. Good shepherds lay down their life for the sheep. Why? Because the good shepherd, this is the big difference, actually loves the sheep and cares about the sheep more than they could possibly ever imagine. And so in John's Gospel, after Jesus had agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is said to have given himself up freely. And this passage makes a big deal out of it, that Jesus' power, his choice, his gift, was the authority to willingly lay down his life, a reference to his death, and then take it back up again, a reference to his resurrection and ascension, all for the care of the flock all because he loved and cared about his people. He said, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And so the good question to ask at this moment is, who is this flock that belongs to Jesus? This is where we might be getting um, into it a little bit. And this is where we also might be surprised. I hope we're surprised. And so to help with this, a real simple little diagram, right? We've got a group that's in, and everybody else is out, okay? If that doesn't make this clear, I don't know what that's, Dustin and I were working on this. How do we make this communicate in the simplest way possible? That we have an in, we've got a, one group of insiders and everybody else is on the outside looking in. So, outside the circles are Gentiles, non-Jews, they're everybody else. Now, we're gonna keep this in mind as we listen to the words that Jesus speaks. This is what he said, right? I have other sheep who do not belong to this fold. Hmm. It's like, this would have been shocking to Jesus' listeners. It's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You mean that you're going to lay down your life for people outside of your immediate circle? For those who are outsiders, maybe based on race or religion, ethnicity, gender, orientation, any other circle that human beings can draw, you're going to lay down your life for those people too? And Jesus' answer, this is Good Shepherd Sunday, this is what it's all about, right? It's about an emphatic yes that Jesus has other sheep outside of that circle, right? It's like when I think about it, Good Shepherd Sunday could have been likened to a sheep pen expansion program. Like that <laughs> pen is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's what this sermon should have been titled. I'm going to change it. The pen expansion program, right? And to me, it gets better. Jesus is the good shepherd who actively goes out searching for those sheep who are outside of the circles that we draw, right? Outside of the circles that we draw. This is super important. He's looking for people. He's finding people. He seeks out those who will listen to his voice no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, whether they're insiders or outsiders. And so this is the way, now we go back to the blind man. Jesus heard, if you go back and look at this, it's, this is a great story. Jesus hears that the religious leaders of the day had cast this blind man back out into isolation. And here's what the scripture says. It says, when he found him, when he, Jesus, found this blind man, what did he do? He actually went out searching for this guy who had been thrown away because that's what good shepherds do. So I can't help but wonder, like, how long did this take? Was it hard? Like, did it take any minutes or hours or days to find this guy? It doesn't really matter, but what it says is that Jesus had this guy on his mind and actually went and sought him out in order to bring this guy back into the fold, into real human, caring, loving community, back into God's flock. And so we're really good at drawing circles of who's in and who's out. It's so easy to do. And then Jesus just comes along, this is the way my mind works, right, with like a giant God-sized eraser and just erases those circles. He says there's one flock, there's one shepherd, and that those sheep can come from absolutely anywhere, even from the most unlikely places, well beyond those circles that we draw. And so we know that when Jesus was speaking these words, his disciples were listening to him. They usually are, or they're, they're supposed to be. And I can't help but wonder, is Jesus concerned about how his disciples would treat this blind man? I wonder if Jesus might not be asking us a similar question. How will we treat those outside the margins? The throwaways, the cast outs, the outsiders of whatever circles that we tend to draw, to exclude. Because good shepherds are always looking outward. This is what Good Shepherd Sunday teaches us. Scanning, searching for lost sheep. And so this is what I think is happening. I really think that Jesus is challenging us, urging his (coughs) disciples today to refuse to play this who's in and who's out kind of a game. Only the good shepherd gets to decide who belongs to the flock and who doesn't. Our job is to join him in the searching, in the mission, in the invitation. And so one of the more thought-provoking ideas in my mind that comes out of this passage is that Jesus is beckoning us to listen to his voice, to hear his call to join him to become shepherds too. I have other sheep who do not belong to this fold. Well, how are they going to get there? How are people going to be enfolded into this flock? Right? Jesus is looking at us. And so I wonder if the question Jesus might ask us is something like, will you, my church, go and find lost sheep and welcome them in? This is the reason that this church exists. It's why it was started. And so just last week, our elders made a great presentation on our need to reach out, to grow, to bring people into the fold, not so we can pay the bills. Who's motivated by paying the bills? Nobody. That's not motivating. Mission is motivating. Good Shepherd Sunday should be motivating. Because turning our gaze outward and searching for people is exactly what Jesus calls us to do as His disciples. It's what Good Shepherd Sunday is all about. And so, to be enfolded into the flock is to share in the flock's mission to help people hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. To be apprenticed to Jesus, to be His disciples, is to be willing to lay down our lives like Christ did before us. And so, what does that mean, right? Here's I'm going to give you three quick things. First I think, First of all, I think it's a call to care about people. What we see in the bad shepherds is they don't care. But the good shepherd cares. And it's a call to care about the whole person, including their spiritual conditions. It's a part of it. And second, I think good shepherding is a move outward to find the sheep that belong to the shepherd, just as someone or multiple people have done for our lives, right? Think about who those people are. Who helped you hear the voice of the good shepherd? These are important questions. We should never forget these people. We should be thanking God all the time for the folks that helped us to hear the voice of the good shepherd. And then finally, I think it's about uh, counting on us to love sacrificially. Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep because I love them and care about them. And so there can be no doubt that shepherds make sacrifices for their flock. They give up comfort. They risk literally life and limb to care for the flock that's entrusted to him. So what's Jesus saying? He seems to be presenting us with a choice. Bad shepherds take and take and take. Good shepherds give and give and give. I hear people say when we talk about this kind of stuff, we say, This means that I'm going to be like this doormat and I'm going to get walked all over in life. But listen to Jesus' words. The truth here, Jesus actually shows us. He says you can't get walked on in life if you give away yourself freely. It's your choice. No one can walk on us if we're freely giving of ourselves. This is our choice, our life to lay down. And so laying down your life isn't always the spectacular thing. It may not be the heroic thing. Jesus has already done that on our behalf. He's already died and risen. The spectacular heroic thing he's already done. Maybe it's more about these everyday little things that we do to lay our lives down and sacrifice something, give something of ourselves for others. So I want to finish with the fun and true story about this guy. Look at that. <laughs> this is Shrek the sheep, and this is real stuff, all right? That's what he really looked like. In 2004, this guy, a merino sheep in South Island, New Zealand, kind of gained a lot of international fame for not getting a haircut, all right? 1998, this guy wandered off and got lost, and he hid in caves. For six years, by himself, away from his shepherd and away from his flock, just trying to survive. These poor guys—they're not the bless you. They're not the smartest things. They really need their shepherd. Somehow, this guy survived six years by himself. Right now, merino sheep normally they're shorn annually because their wool never stops growing. Okay? So some sheep, their wool does stop growing, but not this kind. domesticated (laughs) kind like this guy. It just keeps going and going and going. When they finally found it, right, they cut his wool. It took a professional, like they did it on New Zealand national television. It took a professional sheep shearer. Wow, say that ten times. uh, 28 minutes to take off his wool on national television. You're not going to believe this. You ready? How much do you think that wool weighed? That would be something. (laughs) 60 pounds of just fluff. Okay, enough wool to make 20 men suits. This guy was carrying around six times the normal weight because he had not been shorn. You know. So now I just want to leave you with an interesting thought. Just think about this a little bit. When I look at this story, it appears to me that God actually created sheep and seemed to have. People in mind, when God created sheep, think about this. Like, this guy needed a shepherd big time. (laughs) You know, he's carrying around six times his extra weight. All he needed to do was come home to his shepherd to lighten that load. When his owner saw him, he didn't even recognize him, right? Um, I'm going to show you a picture of that in the reflection in a few moments. You'll get to see it. It's the greatest good shepherd picture you'll ever see. Sheep were actually made for shepherds. Like, think about this, right? People were made for the good shepherd. Because life in God's flock is what the Gospel of John says is just an abundant life with Jesus. So happy Good Shepherd Sunday to you, and let's pray. God, what a joy it is to be enfolded into your flock, and so we thank you for the people in our lives who have helped us to better hear your voice. Jesus, we look to you as the example of what good shepherding looks like. May we give of ourselves that others may come to know you more. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.